This morning I want to talk to you about two people's response to Jesus and the contrast between them. Now when you hear or read this story, at least for me, and I think for many on the first pass, the the apparent contrast is between a wealthy religious Pharisee hosting Jesus in his home and a woman who is looked down upon, who is uh, on the, the edges, who maybe snuck in. We'll unpack that a little bit. But the contrast seems to be in the appearance of these two and the the background of these two. But what we're going to see is that the important, the significant contrast is in how each of them responded to Jesus being there in their midst, in their presence. And I think that's where we will draw uh, the the application. I want to start in verse 36 Because there is a lot going on here. We've talked before about the the cultural distance between first century Israel and modern day United States and how um, sometimes it's easy to miss some things in translation because things are just dramatically different in our experiences, the the things that we see and do and understand. So I want to explain a little bit because this story particularly has some things that, that just draw our attention to it. I mean, a woman crying and washing someone's feet with her hair. I mean, that is just super unusual, right? So I want to talk through some of what's going on here. This is a dinner that a Pharisee named Simon has invited Jesus to come to at his house. And the, we know a couple of things from the description of this dinner. Uh, the reclining at a table was in style in those days. It, it came from the, the Greeks and the Romans, but it had been adopted across the... Um, the empire of Rome, but it was really only practiced at fancy meals, right? Banquet kinds of meals or, a, you know, a, a important guest was over. The, at a, a normal uh, Jewish table, they would still sit up or sit at the table. But the fact that they were reclining at the table, table signifies this was an important meal. Uh, it was there for uh, people to see and to be seen at. And what would have been the case, it was a common practice to invite notable teachers or rabbis to a dinner such as this and to invite guests. And the more important the rabbi, the better you looked as the host. But another feature, and this explains how uh, the woman got in, is if your guest was an important teacher, you opened the home to anyone to come because the, con- the thought was the conversation would be helpful and edifying. You might learn something. But the, the guests, you know, folks who came in off the streets were expected to kind of stand back in the shadows and be silent, not be seen, not be heard, and they could just enjoy the, you know, this elevated teaching moment. So the whole thing um, is, is describing uh, this, this Pharisee wanting to kind of show off, you know, this, this recently very popular rabbi uh, it doesn't tell us whether he likes Jesus or not, but it, it would have been a, a, a status move to get Jesus to come to dinner, uh, to in, engage him in some theological conversation, and folks on the street could just listen in. And that's how, if you ever wondered, how in the world did this woman gain access to the house? It's because it was open for that, that purpose. Now, what, what we you know, find out towards the end of the story when Jesus says, well, you didn't wash my feet, Uh, You may have heard before that it was common custom in a culture where uh, most roads were dirt and dust and uh, folks wore sandals. If you came to someone's house, the host was supposed to offer you 
uh, a place to wash your feet, or even better as a host to wash your feet. Uh, if they were well off, they might have uh, a, a serving attendant uh, do that for you, but they would uh, you know, wash your feet so you would come to the table, just like we wash our hands, right? Clean to the table. Uh, normally, that would be done as Jesus did that one time with his disciples with uh, water and a towel, but it was not unknown if there was a female servant um, who would have uh, kept her hair down uh, against the custom of the wealthier women to, to use her hair. That seems super weird to us, uh, but it was a known custom. So that's, you know, as I read the story, that's the stuff that gets my attention, but that's not at all, I mean, that's just detail that, that someone from that day would have just gone, oh yeah, that's, you know, why, why didn't somebody do that when he came in the house? The fact that she would bring uh, perfume with her especially in the detail that's offered that it's an alabaster container, um, that was designed for recognizing a person of note, um, even a prophet or a king uh, you, would, you would anoint with uh, oil or perfume. So it, it's not, she didn't just wander in and this happened randomly. She seemed to have come with purpose, wanting to find Jesus. Again, the word would have gone out. Jesus from Nazareth is here at dinner tonight. Come listen to what he has to say. Uh, she apparently heard he was going to be there and showed up to do this act of anointing, to recognize him uh, as perhaps as Messiah or king, if not that, at least a, a very prominent uh, rabbi. That she did all this to his feet is easily explained by the fact that uh, when you, I don't know how you picture reclining. I don't think of it as comfortable any way you would do it, but the the style would be that the, you would kind of lean on one arm with the head towards the table and you weren't sideways with the table. Everyone's feet would be out from the table so that all the, the heads and faces were kind of in for conversation. So that, that's how she would have had access to his feet and why she didn't have access to his head to anoint him with oil there. So as, as Jesus notes at the end of this, she washed his feet she anointed him with perfume and oil, and she uh, wept um, in recognition of him. Simon, the Pharisee, is put off. You hear him mutter under his breath. If he, only, you know, if he was a real prophet, he would know what was going on. Simon's issue was not with the woman. He never goes out I and mean, he says if he knew what kind of woman, but his... His frustration, his muttering under his breath, it's all oriented towards Jesus, right? The Pharisees had this running trouble with Jesus. Who, who is he exactly? Who does he say he is? What is he claiming to be? And that, that signifies not irritation that the woman was there. They wanted people to come in off the streets, but that Jesus was interacting with her. And so Jesus is going to engage Simon, and I, I'm glad I looked up verse 40 because we wouldn't have heard it otherwise. You get that. Um, I think it's so fascinating. Uh, in telling the story, Luke says he says to himself. What exactly does that mean? Is it interior thoughts? We'll know because apparently we get the words. It's that, that kind of um, you know, muttering under your breath or in, in common parlance when the, you, know, you cough and say, prophet, <clears throat> you know, something like that. Whatever the case, and whether it was supernatural or Jesus could just read a very obvious face, he knew, oh, he has, he has some kind of issue with what's going on here. And in Jesus' um, true fashion, 
He tells a story. Well, he actually, unlike Jesus, he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead and say it, teacher. That's why we came here, right, to have conversation. Now, what Jesus says, uh, starting at verse 41, is not a parable. Usually, when Jesus tells stories, they're a little bit longer than this. And a parable is designed to kind of have a surface face value story and then a, a somewhat hidden meaning. And it, they serve to kind of protect Jesus against those who would too quickly come after him to get him in trouble. Right? I was just telling a story about a farmer and some seed. Right? No revolution going on here. Um, but this is not that. This is almost like a riddle. Um, and he's going to get to the point pretty quickly. So he asked Simon, I've got something to say to you. Go ahead, say it. So he says a moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 days wages, the other 50 days wages, a you know, factor of 10. They were unable to repay, and the, the lender graciously forgave them both. Who will be more grateful? Who will love him more? Right? And I love Simon's answer. Again, this is the detail if you read closely. Simon answer, I suppose, right? The one he, it's like the most reluctant answer in the world, right? I mean, he's, Jesus said, I want to tell you something. Go ahead. Here's a riddle. Here's, here's uh, the questions on you. You got to say something. I love the fact that the word suppose is in there because it, to me, it, it's got to be, okay, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? The one he forgave more. Jesus is like, you got it, buddy. That's the loose translation of you have judged correctly. So then in verse 44, Jesus goes on to explain a little bit about that. As I said at the beginning, the first, the apparent contrast, especially for us reading it at a distance, is between the, the host, this wealthy, educated, religious man who's throwing the dinner, and this disruptive woman who's doing, um, you know, crying and hair and stuff that sounds very foreign and alien and uncomfortable to us. But the real contrast, and that's what Jesus um, unlocks in his riddle, is between their response to him. Right, so he, he lays this out um, for Simon. And another interesting detail to me is that the, in, uh, let's see, what verse would it be? He, verse 44, all this that Jesus is going to say, says in verse 44, he turned toward the woman. Right, so Jesus is head in with the table and Simon and the other guests. Jesus turns around back to the table and faces the woman who has been lavishing all this attention on him. And this whole thing is said to her. And he's going to continue on and forgive her sin, the whole conversation. But he looks at her and speaks this to Simon. But the emphasis is on what she has done, how she has responded, and how she has loved and honored him. So looking at her, turning to her, he says, Simon, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. That was what a host is supposed to do for any guest, much less an honored guest. Simon had passed right over that. And this unknown woman guest had honored Jesus with the most basic act of hospitality in that culture and in that day. Still looking at her, he says, Simon, you gave me no kiss of greeting. Um, I mean, if, you, if you, any of you have been in European countries, that's still a practice, the kiss on each cheek. 
This was a sign of welcome into someone's home, is that kiss of greeting. Um, Simon did not welcome Jesus that way, apparently, even though he was the guest of honor. And Jesus says, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Again, it sounds unusual to us, but it's still just that act of honoring a guest, an honored guest. You, Simon, did not anoint my head. Well, maybe Simon didn't think he was a prophet or king, but a, a special guest, you would at least anoint their head with oil uh, as a sign of welcome and respect. She anointed my feet with perfume, the kind reserved for not just an honored guest, but a king. Simon had invited Jesus to his house, but on, on his own terms, right? And the, the sense is to be seen with Jesus, to get some recognition, um, to see what, what conversation transpired. And he really provided the, the minimum, the bare minimum of hospitality, of honor to this guest. And this woman whose name we aren't given sought Jesus out. I mean, she came prepared. She had the alabaster expensive jar of perfume she found out he was going to be at this house, and she uh, came to hear and, and really didn't go up and disrupt the conversation. She stayed at his feet, but offered him a special reserve, special gift of honor. I mean, it was a costly gift, the perfume and the emotion and the honor and the, and the humility, again, of what a, a servant would have done of washing his feet. Um, she did far more than the minimum, but offered that special gift and honor. And that's the contrast in this story, right? Not their station in life, but their response to Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, the King. If I'm being honest, I more often, if I think about my own response to Jesus, I more often resemble Simon the Pharisee. I welcome Jesus into my life, my conversation, and people can see that, but it's on my own terms. I don't want Jesus to challenge me in ways that make me uncomfortable or lead me to a place I don't want to go. It's, it's trying to kind of hold Jesus in a box. And when I, kind of like Eric, when I read the story of this woman, I mean, it just undoes me. That depth of um, honor and love and humility and affection to just be in Jesus' presence and honor him, whatever the, the social cost or the, what people might say. I mean, for all she knew, Simon was going to throw her out of there for this. Um, but she was overwhelmed. And I, why, why was she crying? We don't really know. Um, but she, we know that she sought Jesus out to anoint him, so she must have come to believe he was prophet or king or messiah. Uh, just before this in Luke, there was a whole lot of conversation about John the Baptist's ministry, which was one of repentance from sin. It may be that she recognized Jesus is the one to whom a sinner comes. Uh, he had been spending time in the presence of not religious people, but sinful people and speaking words of forgiveness and healing in their life. Um, it may well be that she just came to offer everything she had and was to Jesus in response. All of that presses towards the, the application for us to ask, who are you in relation to Jesus? Um, and, and to ask the kind of the Simon question and the 
the, the woman's question, do we offer God our bare minimum or what we reserve as our best and our most and our deepest, which can include right, our sorrow and our disappointments all the way up to our hopes and dreams, um, or as Jesus uh, exchanged with a, a teacher one time, the, the greatest uh, commandment to offer our heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. That's the example of this woman that Jesus praised um, and explained as she knows what it is uh, to be forgiven, to be loved. So the message isn't, well, hey, if like me, you kind of fall into Simon camp more days than not, the, the message isn't, well, you're not doing enough. The, the, the message, the question is, who is Jesus to you? Because I think Simon just didn't understand, didn't believe, hadn't experienced uh, Jesus as this woman has. And do you know how much God loves you through Jesus Christ? The, the question, the application is, how, having heard that, and if you know that, how do you respond to Christ with your life, with your words, with your actions? It is, uh, I, I think, one of the um, just very special stories in Scripture of, of getting to see at that, that level of detail someone's response to Jesus. Often it's just, come follow me, and they do. Uh, but this shows us a woman who went out of her way to, to honor and love Jesus with all, all that she had and was, um, sins and disappointments and hopes and dreams included. And that, um, as, as Eric said, just, um, just catches my, my breath and my attention uh, for good. So may God give us ears to hear and hearts to believe and to respond in faith. Amen.